Welcome to the Advancing Dentistry Podcast. Join us for in-depth discussions from industry-leading dental experts speaking on hot topics in their specialties. Thank you for listening to our Advancing Dentistry Podcast. This is Dr. Stephen John, your host for this presentation. Thank you for joining us. I began my laser journey in the early 1990s when I took a course on CO2 lasers. At that time, I could see a huge benefit of laser therapy for the oral surgeon, but for paratherapy, it was like a flamethrower lighting a cigar. In the early 2000s, other wavelengths became available for use in dentistry. I went to every dental meeting so I could test drive all the laser units available. After months of research, a binder full of papers, a spreadsheet on every laser company, and notes from conversations from all the laser reps, I'd finally made my decision to go ahead and purchase the BioLase WaterLase laser. To this day, I do not regret my purchase. My research had definitely paid off. Although it would have been nice to have been able to try every unit in my office to see how each laser would perform on a patient. At a minimum, I would like to have spoken to someone who's tried every laser out there and get their opinion. So guess what? There is a dentist out there who has tried every laser unit in practice and has that knowledge. And guess what? He is joining us today for our podcast. With us today is Dr. Brad Lebrecht. Dr. Lebrecht is one of the first general dentists in Canada to implement laser therapy in his practice. He has clinical expertise with lasers of every wavelength available in dentistry. He lectures globally um, on laser technology. Dr. Lebrecht has a WCLI um, mastership, was a WCLI accreditation examiner, has an Aiken University laser mastership, and was clinical professor at the University of SCAS and has a fellowship with the Academy of Laser Dentistry. He was a founding member of the World Congress of Microdentistry. He was a clinical laser trainer for another laser company in 2016. He, ha he has a dental consulting business that focuses on improving dental practice operations and clinical results with technologies available um, to dentists. Dr. Rebrecht um, currently is the Director of Practice Integration at Biolays. And finally, he is a really great person, very approachable, and excited to share his years of wisdom and knowledge. Dr. Rebrecht is extremely proficient in all areas of dentistry, restorative, endo, ortho, perio, and oral surgery. And he really is the laser expert in every aspect of dentistry. Dr. Lebrecht, thank you for joining us today. In my opening statement, I had stated that I would love to have spoken to somebody when I was looking around to shopping for, for different lasers, somebody who's tried all the different lasers out there, all the different wavelengths, and kind of get their feelings and opinions on what uh, what each of the lasers can and cannot do. Since you are an expert on all the different wavelengths, uh, working clinically with all of them, would you mind going over some of these wavelengths, what you found out, uh, the pros and cons? Uh, of your findings and kind of how they relate into dentistry. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, Dr. John, I certainly can help you out with that. You know, I've spent probably my last 30 years learning how to use a laser. And it's not something that we can pick and choose because as we're understanding how lasers work, everybody needs to understand it's not the manufacturer, it's the wavelength that makes the difference. And so, I spent the time and I took math, I took like three different masterships on three different wavelengths just to understand how they would work and how they would best come into play in the dental practice. I mean, my first laser was the the, the BioLase water laser. I mean, it came out like 30 some years ago. It was the only one on the market. So there wasn't much choice at the time, right? Uh, so I picked it up and started to get accustomed to how it worked. But as things developed, I mean, it was working great for soft tissue. Um, at the time, it, I mean, it's, it removes soft tissue well. It's, you just don't get any bleeding with this what with this wavelength because the difference is that erbium lasers, the one that we're using on hard and soft tissue, are absorbed by water and they're also absorbed by hydroxyapatite, which is bone, dentin, calculus, and enamel. Right. So the hardest tissues to cut are like the enamel because these tissues need water to cut. So the water laser worked with water, 
it supplies the water to the site, but it's not absorbed 100% by water. So some, you know, you'll, you'll hear, see, but well, it didn't create some heat. Is that bad? Well, two to three degrees centigrade of heat being created by uh, a technology like the water lays on soft tissue is not going to burn the soft tissue. But what it does is that as we move along, it actually creates hemostasis as you move. So at that point, that's a good thing in dentistry because most of, I mean, so much of the work we have to deal with in bonded dentistry and the like is to keep tissues under control. And so we can have a dry field to do bonded dentistry. So as we move along into other wavelengths, then we have another wavelength there's 2980. So that wavelength there is, absor is absorbed 100% by water. So because of that, as we're working on soft tissue, we either have to reduce the amount of water being used on that and or increase the, the length of time that the wavelength is being pulsed out, which is, it hurts, so we see that we can not longer that hurts length, that hurts power. So at that point in time, we're creating heat because the only way you can get hemostasis is with heat. So you have to reduce the amount of water or increase the pulse length to create the heat. So then... That kind of so is one creating heat and one not creating heat? Well, no. I mean, the one's creating no heat because it's absorbed 100% by water. Yeah, but at the same time, you have to adjust the settings to make sure that it creates heat to get hemostasis. So that in itself is it. Other than that, they're both absorbed by hydroxyapatite uh, and uh, calculus and dentin and that sort of and bone all at the same rate. And then we move into. I mean, your first experience was with the CO2 laser, wasn't it? Yeah, it right. was. Yeah. And so with that, I mean, CO2 lasers, they're absorbed, you know, hugely by hydroxyapatite, which is great because they have shown to be you know, very efficient in cutting, but they're not absorbed that well by water. So in the cutting process, they're cutting with heat. And again, that heat generated, depending on the amount of power you're using, can be detrimental to the surgical site, because at that point, we've actually seen studies where we start to see some enamel being just about to that melting point at that point. So, and then you have to go back with our traditional hand pieces to repair that. Um, yes, it's going to be soft tissue CO2 lasers. They're great on soft tissue, but they're also creating a, a fair amount of heat in doing that. So when you put them all together, and I've worked with each one of them along the way, my end result is that if I want to do dentistry every day and be successful, I have found that the water laser technology has been basically the my go-to for uh, the, over the time, even though I've taken the time and I, I mean, I, I'm a laser nerd. I buy all the lasers <laughs> and try them out. Right. And, and nothing bothers me more when I, when I spent a ton of money on something and I realized I can't use it for everything. So I, you know, what am I going to do with that thing except collect dust in the corner? So <laughs> that's kind of my, 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 my process along the way as I developed that. And so at the end of it all, when I speak, you know, when I speak on, on different wavelengths and stuff, that's kind of my story and, um, and manage it from there. So one of the things that people have brought up, um, is the delivery system. In other words, that there, I guess that there are, I know that, that the biolase or the water lays has the uh, fiber system. And the other one is, I think, an articulating arm. Um, do you have, have, what's your experience been in utilizing the articulating arm versus a, uh, a fiber system? Well, I think the, the, the both are there to transmit this power from the laser head to the handpiece to the to the into the tissue. So, uh, articulating arms, they're they're not that they're flexible to a certain point. Um, the handpieces move back and forth, but they sometimes they can kind of get in the way, uh, mm -hmm. and you're moving around. Uh, the fiber itself is uh, very flexible. Easy on easy on the hand. Uh, it allows a little bit more flexibility in turning your hand one way or the other. So at that point in time, the the fiber has been shown to me as being um, easier to get into some difficult places. Also, though, when you compare size, I mean, and moving around an operatory, you can see that the the water lace itself is a kind of like a nice compact little unit, right? It moves very quickly. It's got four casters on it. And it flips around. I mean, yes, you plug it. We do plug it into the compressor system of our offices, 
Um, whereas the articulating arm ones have their built-in compressors. So they're a little bit more bulkier to move around into the office. And so especially if you're tight on space and moving around, then, uh, then obviously the bigger the unit moving back and forth, the tougher it is on uh, staff and mobility at the same time. Uh, right. Other than that, I mean, I mean, do that lasting wise, I mean, over time, I mean, fibers and articulating arms have to be either, uh, re not re I guess the wrong word would be repaired. Articulating arms have to be reset periodically because they have a whole bunch of little mirrors in them that have right. to be have to be uh, over a maintenance contract. The fibers, I mean, at periods of time, uh, they 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 sometimes it's like anything in in the in the world that sometimes they fail and they fail and and they have to be replaced depending. And most failure time rate though is based based uh, mainly on um, over time using it, but also uh, just not following proper protocols in uh, in the day to day operations. Yeah, the care and maintenance. It's funny because I've had my I plus for oh gosh, I haven't had the I plus for over ten years. I've never had to replace the fiber, and it works. It still works great. So I think if you, the better you take it, but my system never touches it. So uh, the better you take care of it, probably the longer the it would end end up lasting. Well, absolutely, um, absolutely. And my, and my, I mean, my, I haven't changed my fibers since uh, or up, upgraded them since 2016. Right now. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I mean, I, I think I'm in the same boat as you. That is, as long as you look after them, they'll look after you. Exactly. Exactly. So one of one of you were talking mostly about the uh, the water seeking uh, lasers, all, the all tissue, and I and I think that the purpose of uh, this conversation, obviously, the all tissue is where we're talking about, especially for restorative hard tooth, uh, for the tooth and stuff like that. Uh, briefly, the uh, pigment seeking, the NDAC tends to be another laser that people hear about all the time. Um, is there limitations of utilizing the NDAC for most uh, restorative doctors? Well. You can't use the NDA for restorative restorations. Thank you. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, all right. Uh, it's it's a soft tissue laser, period, and uh, it's uh, it's good for hemostasis, but so are all diode lasers. All right. So uh, the the depths of absorption on pigments and seeking lasers are are is what you want to understand. And NDA lasers uh, are are well are well absorbed. But then you kind of move down the road and you got a 980 nanometers. So we're talking nanometers, like 1064. That's a that's an ND egg. Yeah. Um, diode lasers are 940 to 980 nanometers. We're talking a very short period of time. So the difference in absorption rate is very is is not that much at all to get the end result. I mean, the effect of ND egg lasers and the stuff they're absorbed by pigment, which creates hemostasis, but it uses heat to do that. So you can't get close to any soft tissue laser, NDA, or or even the BioLase 980, 940, which is called the Epix. Are uh, you can't take, you can't touch bone with them, you can't touch the tooth with them uh, when they're in the active mode or an implant. You know you have to stay away from those areas because heat is heat, and heat will cause necrosis or damage. My my always thought is that the, the erbium lasers, which are the with the water seeking lasers, you really can't cause any irreversible effects unless you turn the water off. However, with a soft tissue laser, if with heat, you can cause some irreversible effects. And that's what that's the that's the danger that you run into. Right. Especially around dental implants. Boy, you got to be careful with those uh those oh, pigments yeah, that, lasers. Yeah. Well that's your that's your zone there, right? <laughs> and, and uh and 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 you and you you, you got to see the difference because isn't there isn't there a company out there that says you can use an ND egg around uh around implants? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm assuming I'm assuming the fact they must not aim it actually at the implant itself, but the tissues around it. But uh, yeah, I, I still would be very uh, very cautious on that for sure. <laughs> yeah, right. So in today's discussion, we're going to go over a lot of the restorative treatment, a lot of restorative work. Uh, maybe you can go into the specifics about different types of steps and how the uh, water lays, um, um, uh, works ideally with that, especially with the fact of uh, versus traditional therapy. Um, can we, I'd like to start off at the very beginning, and it's kind of I call it the uh, the elephant in the room, the idea of achieving um, I call it uh, no shot dentistry, and I wouldn't mind if you would just kind of talk to our to our listeners about uh, about that, um, its pros cons uh, limitations or your thoughts and views on it. Oh well, no, no problem. I mean, we're talking. I mean, you do hear quite a bit about laser dentistry, and you don't have to use anesthetic. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, no. All right. Now let's 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 compare first of all to what we're doing as a traditional dentist. I mean, traditional dentistry, everything we do is with a piece of stainless steel. All right. It's going to cut. It's going to it's going to create some heat and some vibration, which causes pain. That's just the way it works. So we have no choice there. So as we move into the in use being a laser dentist and using laser energy, the laser energy is absorbed by the tissue. So let's say we're talking about the tooth. It's absorbed in the tooth. And as you move along, the laser energy is absorbed down into the pulpal tissue. So what's in the pulpal tissue? Well, it's that darn pulpal nerve. You know, that's that, that you know, it gets in the way. I mean, we get that restorative dentistry, we have to give an injection. So over a period of time, and the time is maybe sometimes 60 to 90 seconds, is that as you move in the on the tooth area, the energy is being absorbed, 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 and it actually causes a change in the pulpal energy transmission to the brain, and it kind of gently starts to block the majority of the transmission of the energy, of the response, which is going to create heat. I mean, not heat, pain, pardon me. So at that point, it takes some time. But we all know, Doc, is that if we give an injection to somebody, sometimes it works great and sometimes it doesn't, right? I mean, everybody is different. And so you can't say, oh, I give an injection and it works every time because we know it doesn't. And so when we're working with laser anesthesia, we're really desensitizing the, 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 the nerve response of the tooth. So as we desensitize it, some people still may feel that they have a perception because it's not like having an injection. Let's say we went into the, into the pulpal ligament and gave a ligament jet. We're knocking off the, 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 the transmission of the pulp. So now here we're actually having the energy being absorbed by the pulp. And that in itself will start to block the transition. It's not, but they're not going to feel super numb. But my experience is, is that over a period of about a minute or so, as I mentioned, we'll have some desensitization of the pulpal response. In that point, I'm not saying anesthesia, I'm saying desensitization. All right. So there's been perfect along the way as I'm removing decay that I'll grab my low speed hand piece at that point because we, some doctors like to feel like they need that tactile sense to see if the decay is gone. And I'll tell my patient, hey, I'm just going to polish your tooth for a moment. And they understand polishing from a profi. So you go in there and you polish it. And, it, you know, like nine times out of 10, it's not an issue. And I continue on as I'm getting deeper into the tissue and I'm getting closer to the pulpal chamber, I will switch back to the laser again because then I, by controlling it, and we can talk about, you know, how we control that later, but I can control how the energy is, is dispersed onto the tissue. And that will, again, allow us to do more without having to create an injection. Wow. Thank you so much. Honestly, that was like the best summary of, quote, no-shot dentistry. I think that you, you're, you brought up some great points. You know, it's kind of like the perception of, of pain. I mean, obviously that everybody's different. And so you get that one patient that I could get within – five millimeters of their tooth with a probe and they're screaming and yelling because it hurts and I haven't even touched the tooth yet. <laughs> so, so I'm assuming those are the people you would not necessarily want to go ahead and, and, and say, let's go ahead and use the, uh, the, uh, the, the, um, laser anesthesia, but, um, you know, other people who are like, you know, they tend to be, Hey, I'd like to give it a try. It's a great option and opportunity for them. I, and it's, yeah. so again, thank you for, for bringing up the, the, the difference. Well, yeah. And another option too, is that, you know, and let's say in my pedo practice, when I'm working with pediatrics, I mean, nitrous oxide. I mean, it's yeah. used quite commonly in the pedo. Now, with that, because then with the nitrous oxide reducing the, you know, the being present in the, in the situation and managing there, nitrous oxide and with the water laser, I've, I've done multiple quadrants on, a, on a, a pediatric patient with no anesthetic up to the point of even doing pulpectomies. Wow. And they're not feeling it, right? I mean, and then to the and that's to go one more step as we talk about desensitization. The water laser can be used to desensitize teeth that are cold sensitive, you know. And we get, especially when you guys are done with them and you kind of put their gums down to their toes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, after they've had some surgery and the and we have roots that have been exposed, right? And patients are feeling that sensitivity. We can use the the, the water laser. In, and, and through a period of setting to stop that 
desensitization, that's a cold and it's a permanent fix. So again, yes, laser energy used properly will give us the results we want. The problem that people try to do is that as we, they go, oh, it doesn't work. Well, they're having, they put the most power at the highest power and they expect that it's supposed to, the patient's supposed to respond in five to 10 seconds and it right. just doesn't do that. So give them time, right? Give them time and hopefully it'll work. Wow. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, exactly. Choosing the right patient. Um, <laughs> so if you don't mind, let's go ahead and kind of start in, t- in today's discussion, just probably kind of going over. Um, we had like a preliminary discussion of the idea of early detection, um, early intervention, maybe some IA technology. And with that in mind, um, as we start discussing this, if you can kind of talk about the difference between the water laser versus traditional handpiece um, and why you would pick the uh, the laser therapy over that. So if you would mind just beginning our conversation with uh, yeah. that, that'd be great. Okay, no, no problem. Well, you know, what we've noticed and then over, you know, I mean, we've both been in practice for a long time. And long in the restorative world, long gone are the days of GB Black, where we're turning around and, and prepping a tooth and having sharp internal line angles. And, 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 and we take our probe and we stick it into a fissure and it gets stuck. And then we know we have a cavity. All right. And the wheel stat chisel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't remember how to use that anymore. Um, <laughs> so, at that point, I mean, the progression of dental disease, and as we see it, has changed. I mean, fluoride toothpaste, fluoride mouth rinses, op- communities that put fluoride into the water, whether or not you agree with it or not, has made a change in how and the perception of dental caries in the mouth and how we diagnose it. My last, my last research about earlier this year is I came across 12 different ways that we can do early diagnosis for caries. Because bite wings kind of let us down. If we, if I'm stuck using a bite wing to look for caries, interproximally, just through the DEJ is pretty, pretty easy to see. But occlusally, we've all been, anybody who's been in dentistry for a long period of time, we see it on time and time again. We see a little stain in a groove, think, oh, well, should we do it or should we not? And so we open it up and we kind of go, Oh my God, I cannot believe how big this is to the point we're just about doing a pulpal exposure. And you go and you go back to your x-ray and you go, no, where did I see that? So early in my career, I grabbed this tool called the Diagnodent. Okay. It is a it's a it's it's light producing and it picks up fluorescence and active decay. And that was one of the first things that came out in the early, early stages, other than transillumination, which we're all used to. But transillumination was good for interproximal for me, but I didn't really get that grade of result doing it uh, clusally. That helped me so much to determine where the decay process was. But now there is so many other ways that we can determine how much decay is there at the most earliest stage. And then with the advent recently of AI technology, that and again is, is going to be, I, I think it's going to be a game changer, Dr. Strawn, because I feel as though that AI is going to pick up more perio problems as well as the as a problem as carries problems due to their algorithms and how everything is put together. So if we're trying to treat the diagnose the decay at the earliest stage, how can we possibly go into it with traditional tools? That's my biggest my my biggest pet peeve at this time is that you're going to diagnose at the earliest stage, and then you're going to grab a piece of stainless steel that runs in a burr, and you're going to grind away a lot of healthy t- tissue that we just don't need to. Here's a, here's a, here, here's the catch: Waterlace technology removes infected tissue first, so it primarily when you focus it on decay, it in that zone and that stain, it, it has no choice. The waterlace is absorbed by water, so Caries is more hydrated than enamel and dentin, so it's going to remove it first. So if we remove it first, then we have a much more minimally invasive tool. And if we diagnose minimally invasively, then the end result is, is that we don't need to use anesthetic at this stage because we're not getting too close to the pulp and tissue to begin with. right? Even though we say, hey, we can do anesthesia, at that point, we don't need to because we're catching at the earliest stage. I can do a class two restoration without any anesthetic as long as it's just through the DEJ, 
which we all know we want to catch at the earliest stage. Class threes, you don't need anesthetic for class threes. I don't need anesthetic, most anesthetic, or I have no sensitivity, pardon me, at that point, when I'm doing a class five, and, uh, and also incisal repairs. I mean, those types of procedures, in my anterior zone, I rarely give anesthesia because I just know that the teeth are not going to be sensitive at all. So as we move along, then we have to discuss, well, let's compare traditional work, burrs in particular, to what the water leads can do. If you look at some pictures of what a traditional burr will do, is it automatically recreates a smear layer. Right. Automatically, we're causing some micro fractures in the tooth because we're cutting through prisms and crystals, and so it's going to crack it. Water lays doesn't do that. Right? It removes the infected tissue first. It kind of cleans the dentin surface. And as it cleans the dentin surface, not only is it removing the smear layer, but the interaction of the water with the laser energy creates a bactericidal effect on that surface. So we're removing all the bacteria at that stage as well while we're actually doing the surgical procedure on the tooth, which again, it gives us a cleaner surface, less, less to no bacteria on it. And now we can increase our bond strength at the same time and have a longer lasting restoration all with one tool. That's quite amazing when you can start to think of it as opposed to what we're doing traditionally at this point in time. So using the tool properly and the, in the right cases is the way to go. Like you're saying, I think that the idea of like traditional dentistry, you take a burr out, you'll take a, a spoon out, you take a, another hand piece out, you'll go take your etch out, you'll take all these things out. Whereas it sounds like you're just using one instrument to pretty much do all. Well, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want the tactile sense, you still can have your spoon handy and give it a bit of a scrape or <laughs> take, your little, take your little, take your little burr. But isn't it nice to be able to think about the fact is that, I mean, one, if we're removing a smear layer, we don't have to throw 35% phosphoric acid on the tooth anymore. Like, think about it. It's 35% phosphoric <laughs> acid. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, no, we look at where, where else? Where, where, when you threw it on any soft tissue, what happens? It burns it. Yeah. Right? So, uh, so if we don't have to use it, to me, that, again, it's just, I mean, maybe it's because of, I've been using it for so many years, but I see great successes with that. But goodness gracious, they have to do that on a regular basis. It's just something I just don't like to do. Right. So one of the points you had just said uh, kind of earlier is the whole idea that the lasers like to seek out disease. I know that like, you know, for some soft tissue for perios, one of the advantages is it's actually looking yeah. for inflamed tissue, things of that sort. And interesting because I never really thought about that same concept of hard tissue, Uh Caries is a, you know, is obviously as a breakdown of the of the hard tissue, so therefore it's going to go ahead and seek it out. Um, and I know that you and I've had had these discussions before. And one of the most one of the most wonderful things I think the idea of, of the laser therapy is your cavity preparations are minimal compared to if you took a burr out to a, or, or um, you know an, an uh, a stainless steel instrument to it. So you can have a lot more conservative therapy. Oh, for sure. I mean, and uh, and then and based on that, um, if we're using the proper diagnosis and using the and using the minimally invasive diagnostic tools that are, I mean, you know, minimal. Yeah, I guess the right word is invasive, wouldn't it be? Diagnostic yeah. tools. Yeah. Then we're using a minimally invasive tool to treat it, as opposed to uh, something that can't give us the same the same end result. So and, I. I uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times you talk about prevention. I know that, like, especially with pedodontists, you know, the whole idea of a pit and fissure sealant, things of that sort. I mean, nobody's going to deny the fact that a child would benefit with a pit and fissure sealant. Um, but think, but I think that the idea of, uh, again, preventative early carious lesion that requires a little more than just a pit and fissure can be easily to be treated with the laser therapy without having to go into, a, you know, a larger cavity preparation. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, we, I mean, yes. You're absolutely correct in that uh, when we start the early progression of the disease, we can treat it. Now, in afterwards, though, let's say we got we see patients that the lesions have already progressed. Okay, maybe my laser won't be the first tool that I'll use, but let me think. Let me talk to you about some of the advantages. I finish all my restorations with a laser. Why? All right. First of all, I have no smear layer after I use it. It is 
it's bacterial sidle on the surgical site. And it actually opens up the dentinal tubules better than phosphoric acid can. And mm -hmm. to the point, phosphoric acid opens up the dental tubules about 100 microns. We are looking at about 1,000 microns. So when you go back to your, I mean, you may not remember bonding too much, John. Dr. John, no. <laughs> uh, okay. but as we as we throw on the bonding agent, it's going to be dropping down into those open dental tubules. So now we have more resin tags. More right. resin tags means a stronger bond. More resin tags is going to be stronger. The bond the bond now is more resistant to breakdown, especially of the acids in the mouth over time. So here we are. We've taken a restoration. We're using technology now to improve our bond strength and make our restorations last longer at the same time. I mean, that's a win-win right. uh, at the beginning, right off the top. So people sometimes, I mean, and dentists sometimes think, oh, I got this tool. I got to use it from start to finish. Honestly, this tool should be, it would be so nice if we didn't have it on wheels, but we could just hang it on our toolbar, wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, right? would. you, know, <laughs> you know, so you have your high speed, your low speed, you'll have your piezo and you'll have your laser. All right. right? And so you you pick and choose along the way which one you need to get the benefits that you want. And the end result is. And so you can start with one, pick it up at the end, pick it up in the middle, and manage it from there. And that's kind of how I like when I'm teaching, is I like to tell dentists is that, you know, this is learn the advantages of it. Learn what you can do minimally invasively that you may, you know, you, you don't need any anesthetic for. Okay, learn those, get comfortable with those procedures with yourself. But remember, it's still there. I mean, I'll probably never really want to cut a crown prep with a laser. That's not what it's for. The tooth is already messed up, right? You're putting a crown on it. It's already fractured. So why would we consider using a minimally invasive tool to do that? However, I've used it to help. I have really tight contact and I'm, wor I'm worried about maybe touching the adjacent tooth with a burr. I mean, no, it never happens. It really never happens, <laughs> right. right? But if you're concerned, the energy from the tips that we use just come out the end. So you can actually open up that contact and then from there comfortably place your margin at the same, without having, with knowing for sure that you're not going to have to damage the, or touch the adjacent tooth, right? So uh, you just kind of make it work along the way. So actually, you started you started the conversation off. Thank you, by the way. Kind of essentially saying that, you know, not one hundred percent of all procedures is going to start and finish with the laser therapy. And so I, so I thank you for bringing that up because there are a lot of you know I call them negative neds out there that say all oh, lasers don't work. You can't do this and this and this. And I think that your comment is true. Like for instance, a large existing restoration or a crown preparation, but to make a more optimal and ideal. I think that the idea of utilizing the uh, the laser um, for that would, would is a great finishing part. Finishing part. Yeah, yeah. Well, those negative those negative uh, people that are out there and they say they don't work. Well, maybe they haven't. I don't know how many courses they've taken. Goodness gracious, I've taken probably over ten thousand hours of continued education on, and I learn something every time I take a course, right? And I manage from there. And so a weekend course is not going to make you a good laser dentist. I right. mean, education is primary important, as you know, and uh, and learning and doing. And so as you move along, the more you learn, the better you get, and the more procedures you can do at the same time. But so I mean, so I've, I've had a few times in perio where maybe we'll let's say a perfect example. I'm working on the distal of a, a maxillary tooth. There's a large overhang of a composite that's creating or contributing to the defect. It's almost impossible to get the bird down that area. And I can say 100% of the time I've taken the, uh, the the laser and end cutting tip and have literally whittled away that composite just by kind of chipping it away and have, have plastered that composite and gotten rid of that ledge. So mm -hmm. um, it, you know, they'll say, oh, I can't cut composites. Well, maybe not to the way that we're thinking about it, like a high speed handpiece does, but it definitely can go ahead and shape and sculpt and, and sculpture the, uh, the, the restorative materials. Oh no! Composite restorations are so actually um, are so easy to remove. They're quite they're fairly hydrated, right? Right. How right. do we how do we know that? Because when they sit in a tooth for a long time, they swell. Right. <laughs> so so uh, we know they're hydrated. So again, the as you're removing a composite restoration and with proper 
technique and movement, I can probably remove one just as fast as I can with a bird. Um, yeah. There's really there's no issues with that at all. I mean, the only thing our limitations are with a laser is anything that has metal in it. I mean, we know that we can remove veneers without touching them. Right. I mean, the energy is transmitted through the through the porcelain, and the, and where's the hydrated layer? Well, that's the layer of cement, and so the energy gets absorbed there. It doesn't get absorbed, and it doesn't damage the tooth underneath. Releases the cement, and the veneer falls off. Right. We can do we can do Emax crowns. We can take zirconia crowns off with with fair amount of regularity mm -hmm. and doing and taking the time. Is I mean, I talk to doctors that have spent. You know, they have a full case. They spend up to two hours removing all the old restorations before they can actually start working. And so with the laser energy working on that area, we can start to remove these these prostheses as much quicker. And the end result is it saves them time. And and also uh, a bucket of diamond burrs that, they're, that they have to use and throw away afterwards as well. Yeah. So we there's... There's actually it was a, a couple times uh, that I think of right off the top of my head where I've actually had an amalgam restoration that I need to go ahead and end up removing. I just took my uh, five tenths of a millimeter tip laser, went around the uh, the per the periphery of the uh, the amalgam, and it just popped right out with minimal um, you know preparation of the tooth or breaking down the tooth itself. So there's definitely ways we could use a laser for all different types of uh, restorative treatments. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. Um, at that point, and you know how it's working with that, Joe, doctor, is yeah. that it's actually lasers find the path of least resistance. Right? right? So, so what happens is that the path of least resistance is going to be where the amalgam and the and the tooth meet, and the energy is going to go down there, and that's just going to release what's happening in that spot. Right. 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 So, you know, so at that point, I mean, we're talking restorative, but how about using the laser for an extraction? Right. right? It helps yeah. so quickly with doing that, right? And I'm sure you've had that experience as well. That I have. You know, want to do a non-traumatic extraction? You go around the tooth and then put a luxate a little bit, and away, and I, it's unbelievable how quickly it comes out. I use it all the time. Go ahead and just kind of like widen the PDL area and just kind of like luxate it out. It's fabulous. It's wonderful. It's great. Yeah. Um, so one of the um. Uh, Thank you very much, by the way, for for going over all of the the, the traditional versus the laser and things of that sort. So one of the things that um I started off with this uh, this conversation or this should say the uh, the podcast about is saying number one is is uh, talk be able to talk to somebody who's worked with all wavelengths, um, but also the idea of um of being able to test drive a uh, the lasers in the office. And I know that when I was when I was looking at lasers themselves. You know, nobody would say, here, take our laser for a while and test drive it. I understand though, BioLase has a program that will allow you to test drive it. Could you maybe go into more detail on that? Yeah, no, no, uh, I'm involved with that quite a bit. Is that it's the, uh, we call it the WaterLase exclusive trial program. And what involves there is that we're, BioLase is so convinced that this is the best laser on the market. So what they're willing to do is, give you a brief introductory course, which is a two-day course, and allow the laser to be installed in your practice for a period of time. And that period of time is well, you what you've learned for the few days in, as a preliminary in, introduction, which be, I mean, you're not going to do uh, in-depth deep surgeries. We're going we're to stick to some basic laser procedures, some soft tissue procedures, some restorative procedures, and maybe some, uh, you know, some minimal, you know, some non-surgical type perio procedures, and some endodontics, right? So a lot of people don't understand that we can use lasers for all, all every procedure that we do in dentistry today. The laser technology is going to be an advantage to us. And so you take the laser to your practice, and you start incorporating it and doing step by step doing procedures. You might do some soft tissue procedures. You might do. Uh, I mean, get rid of packing cord when you're doing your prosthetic, doing some gingivectomies, doing some class five, some class three, just getting familiar with how this is going to work and how C is going to integrate into your practice. You also, in part of this program, you get a doctor who has used the laser for a long period of time, like myself, is that we will come and we'll spend, you know, a morning, an afternoon or whatever you need with patients to help build your confidence on what to do with this laser. So how, and then hopefully at the end of it all, you're going to go, wow, I can't believe what I've been able to accomplish with this laser 
and be able to then at that point just keep it into your protocol on a day-to-day basis. Uh, great Steve, program. I mean, what else, where else would you be able to get, take a high-end machine in dentistry and let some, the company gives it to you to try it out before you decide to make the purchase? And this is kind of un, unheard of in the dental world. So you're actually not just giving the unit saying, okay, here, here's a turn on, here's a power switch, have fun with it. You're given the training, the hands-on, the support while you're utilizing it. You're actually like, like as, as if you purchase it, you're given that time of actually, you know, having somebody show you how to use it, how to help you with it, at least, at least for the basics. Well, for sure, because BioLase has really taken a, a hard approach in how they want to, well, how they want to help the consumer and how to make that consumer get what they need to make an informed decision. And by doing that, they have learned that you need to understand and learn how to use a product. And you can't learn it by just a quick weekend course in a hotel room. You actually have to learn it on patients. And so the only way you can do that, though, is have over-the-shoulder instruction that gets you to where I want to, where you want to get you to that point. And uh, with that commitment, of education and mentorship, uh, that's uh, it's been a very proven to be very successful for them. So it gives you that that comfort zone of basic procedures. Uh, obviously, it's not going to make you a board certified periodontist, but at least maybe you could do simple perio procedures, maybe a phrenectomy of, of some sort, maybe some uh, some crown lengthening or something like that that would be fairly routine and simple to do. I mean, it's obviously not going to bring you to the level of being an expert, which I would say time, more time and training requires, but it'll give the average doctor at least a comfort level to let them see what the unit's like and to to try it out then. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, the, the first time you pick up something, uh, a lot of dental doctors will pick up the laser they're kind of nervous on how it's inter- how it's going to interact with the tissue. And right. so they need a little bit of hand-holding at the beginning just to kind of get them, get them to that point of, hey, you can't hurt anybody. So now let's let's learn, let's concentrate on how we're going to use it properly to get the job done. And uh, that's that's what the mentorship uh, uh, with this program provides. I know that for me, one of my biggest concerns when I first bought it is like, holy cow, am I going to go ahead and nuke the guy's head off or, or burn it up? And I think I think I mentioned to you the first exposure I had was a CO2 laser, the old one, yeah. where once it cut the tissue, it's looking for new tissue. So, I mean, literally kept cutting, 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 cutting. Obviously, this technology, you're only, you're only cutting what, with that 0.51 millimeter from the tip. So, um, so it allows them to see it is safe and get them to that comfort level and have the security. There's somebody behind their shoulder making sure they don't mess up or give oh, them that, yeah. that degree of comfort. Oh, oh, for sure. And and you have to realize that the, the lasers are completely, um, uh, what's the right word I'm thinking about, uh, adjustable as far as settings go and and also the pulse of the laser energy coming out. So that can is completely adjustable. I mean, you just there's not, not one setting for this laser, all right? The setting we have soft tissue settings, we have hard tissue settings, we have bone settings, we have perio settings, we have endo settings. I mean, we have you you give you get to that knowledge and you understand how to make that function depending on where you want to go and what you want to do with the laser, and that's the that's the huge benefit. Uh, a lot of people think, yeah, you pick it up like you said, and they figure like Star Wars, and you're going to cut their head off, and it's just. <laughs> It's just you're 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 not loose loose Skywalker with this one. No, you're just slowly, slowly removing tissue and and understanding how to do it. And and by doing that and learning hand movement, then you're then you're going to be successful at that point for sure. And I think right. sometimes people complain about oh it goes too slow or uh, it, it's not working fast enough. Obviously, what they learn is it's not only technique but how to utilize the settings. To become more efficient. Um, so I, I again, I've always told people start off with lower settings. It may seem like it's slow, but become familiar and comfortable with it, and then move up from there. Well, but you know, it's slow compared to what though? I mean, so I mean, a lot of times when we're working with the laser, uh, let's say I'm doing a, phren- a phrenectomy, for instance, then I might give just a small amount of anesthesia, but I'm going to start working right away. Right, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna have to give an injection and wait and walk around for ten minutes. Chair time is faster, even though the procedure might be inherently slow. Restorative dentistry is the same way. Oh, it's not fast enough. I mean, really, how fast does it have to be? I mean, we're we're creating no heat. We're actually removing the decay, 
And a lot of times we're doing procedures without any anesthetic. So at that point in time, your chair time is quicker, right? So maybe the procedure time might not apparently be that way. But again, we're all we're all hard tissue, you know, touch and feel dentists. And we have to understand that we're using a technology that has no tactile sense because we're watching the light energy go. So, I mean, I think everybody right now wears magnification at this point in time. I don't think that, uh, I don't think that, that, that it's wise to not use magnification. It's a period of time. And how much magnification do you need um, at that point? I mean, goodness gracious, I started off with none and I ended up working everything under a microscope. So, right. uh, <laughs> so I mean, there you go, right? So the more you see, the quicker you are too. So it helps out because you see the interaction of the light doing what you want it to do. And you know what is a perfect, I mean, the people that complain about lots of tactile sense, I would rather have more of a visual sense than a tactile. Visual, I can see where I am. Tactile, I'm feeling where I am. I'd rather be able to see it than necessarily feel it. So I, so again, the people say there's not enough tactile sense. You're gaining the the visual. You mentioned the idea of like the phrenectomy. Of course, you work in my zone. Um, and I've <laughs> and, and I've always said, does it take longer to do a phrenectomy? And I'm going to say to actually cut the to cut it properly and do a good job with with it. The answer is yes. It'll take me a little bit longer to go ahead and cut the tissues. And everybody says, why well, could have done it fast with with a scalpel? As a matter of fact, I told Dr. Lau that at one point in time. But you don't have to worry about post-op bleeding. You don't have to worry about, about suturing. You don't have to worry about a lot of things. So what I maybe took longer on one aspect, I cut back on the other. So it didn't take me any longer to do the phrenectomy. And if you add the idea of the patient comfort, the patient experience on top of it, you realize this is far more superior than, than what the traditional therapy would have been like. Oh, for sure. And, and and going back into the restorative world, too, is that the same idea is that I have more visualization. If I have a deep cavity, I can start to see the cavity, the, the, the caries being removed to the point where I know if I'm getting close to the pulpal membrane. And I can actually, re, with proper settings and, and working with it, I can control the caries removal, not to penetrate that pulpal membrane. Because you know, if I did, if I did it with a burr, I don't have that tactile with that tactile sense like, or visualization. Once I whacked it open, it's open, and okay. you've thrown a whole and you've thrown a whole bunch of decay into that pulpal chamber, and you've created a pulpitis. And it's just a matter: is it going to be an irreversible, or reversible? Most times, it's irreversible. Eventually, that tooth's going to die. You just don't matter. You just don't know when it's going to die. With the laser energy, removing it down to that pulpal membrane, observing that. And we also understand it's bactericidal at the same time. If we actually did have an exposure, it's just at the surface, it's sterile. We can create some hemostasis at that point, get that under control, and save the pulp from a pulpitis. And that's huge. It matters wow. from there. You know, wow. so you have again that control, I think you're saying too, is that you know, it's good. You have more visualization. And yeah, you have to be better. You have to worry about this big giant stain that's still burn your way. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a phrenectomy. You can see all the fibers that you want to cut. And yes, here you get to see. You have visualization of the whole pulpal floor, and as you remove the decay, you can start to see where you where you need to go, where you don't need it, where you shouldn't go, and that makes a big change. Wow, and how we do it. things on a day to day basis. Love it. That's great. That's great. So I understand that BioLace has come up with a uh, restorative guidebook. As a matter of fact, I just got the the, uh, the email today um, saying that it's out there and it's available. I was totally excited about it. Particularly the fact no one is going to be talking to you today. So I understand that there's there's a restorative guide um, a restorative guidebook available. By the way, I heard you're a a, a big uh, person in the development of this. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. By the way, um, so. I so do you actually have to buy the water laser laser ahead of time in order to get this guidebook to take a look at it to uh, to see um what's what's available um or I'm sure how to utilize it um are there other guidebooks available from BioLays and other uh, fields of dentistry um and um and I guess uh, I I would say how does somebody go about getting this guidebook well, the guidebook is online. If you go to biolays.com and you go to the education world, uh, all the guidebooks are listed. We have guidebooks for phrenectomy. We have guidebooks for pedo. We have guidebooks for perio. We have guidebooks for endo. And we have a guidebook now for restorative dentistry. I so was, it's free to everybody. It's free to anybody who wants to go. Although wow. the, 
the guidebooks are written so you can start to and it and it all it identifies a lot of the benefits of why laser technology in each of those uh, areas of dentistry are used such an advantage. The guidebooks will go into a little bit more depth on how, as a laser water laser user, on which settings and which types of we call them tips that are attached to the handpiece, what to use and how to do it, and the protocols with that. You kind of need a water laser to understand that part, right, to make it work. But with all, but reading through it, and you'll it identifies. When I was involved in building the restorative guidebook, I spent the time to say these are some advantages over traditional, and this is where we place it and how we do it. And then here's a step-by-step procedure on how to do a restoration and what's happening at each step for that patient on that tooth and the and the, the positive benefit that you're getting, right? And the same thing happens in the pedo, the perio, and and the endo ones as well. I mean, that's what you want to understand. So then if you if once from there and you purchase and, and for users, I mean, I built the restorative guide but helped with building that one only because GPs, 80% of what we do is restorative dentistry, right? So at that point in time, everybody was kind of nervous. Oh, can I use it? And you're saying, oh, it doesn't work as fast. And do this and do that. So in taking the time and explaining what's happening and helping diagnosis, that will start to make dentists more successful in the restorative world and maybe get over some of those humps and saying, oh, it's too slow and it doesn't do this and doesn't do that. Now we have to, and we attach some videos, some clinical videos to show how the laser energy interacts with the tooth in class ones, in class twos, and class three. So it gives you an idea on how, seeing how the hand movement is and how, how the setting works and, and the interaction with the tooth. And we spent the time so that it's an easy, you know, one-stop spot to get information on how to do the procedure, maybe answer some questions or maybe say, hey, I'm having trouble with this. Oh, let me read it over. Oh, I didn't realize this is what I should do and then be able to go to do that. We, I give I, over, I, you know, little pearls of, of information, you know, some pro tips along the way just to help you be more successful with that. And I think that that hopefully will be well-received and useful for the doctors uh, on a day-to-day basis. So someone who may be considering or thinking about, do I want to go to laser therapy, would find the guidebook beneficial because it does talk about the difference between traditional therapy and the laser therapy. And the person who's been maybe utilizing the laser for a while would also find it beneficial because you have little pearls of information for them. Well, yeah, that was the plan, right? Because we we all learn and we all kind of go sit through lectures and I wish we could remember everything that the lecturer says, but we don't. <laughs> we all take the notes home and we don't read them uh, and we just get back to work. And so this is hopefully a, a quick synopsis on a, it's a, it's a two minute read and go, oh yeah, I forgot all about that stuff. All right, now I can go back and do it again. All right. So that was the, that was the plan. So funny thing you just said that because one of the things I'd find out of my first my very first course on the advanced uh, therapies, I think it took one or two of them. Every time I took, I learned something new. And then as I became a uh, trainer slash instructor, I would go ahead and, and attend the, these courses. And every single time I went, I picked up on one new little bit of pearl of information. So you can never stop learning, even if you take the same course over and over and over. So yeah. always keep that in mind. Continue to learn and continue to talk to people like you. Because uh, I've learned so much from you on all of our conversations, by the way. So thank you. You're very welcome. So if someone's uh, interested in getting involved with the uh, with the the WETP, how will they go about doing it? Who do they talk to? How do they uh, how do they sign up for that program? Well, I think you just there, there's an opportunity to register online uh, in the education world on biolays.com. Uh, you'll see that there's an, there's the exclusive waterlays program is there. It explains it, and and then basically there's a uh, submit, put your contact information on there and submit it. And uh, a member of the BioLay staff, either it'll be your local representative in the area or it'll be the, uh, the, the in-house staff, office staff of BioLays will contact you. The bonus is that, you know, and again, this is something to consider when you're actually making trying to make a decision is that what kind of support you're going to get from the company on an ongoing basis. You know, BioLays throughout the country has, you know, a couple of dozen of representatives in each area. And so these representatives and these reps, I mean, they're sales reps. They're going to knock on your door and they're going to try and, and ask you if you're interested in the tool. But once you get the tool or incorporating it, they're there to help you. They're there to help you on step-by-step on integration. 
so that they're stopping in, they're knocking on your door, asking you how's it going, and they're building quite a relationship with you to make sure that you're successful. And uh, that's a, I mean, that's the nice thing about dealing with a company that is really conscious on what the the consumer, which is the doctor, needs and moving forward and building a great relationship as as a, as a company with that doctor to make sure that they get the best the best and ultimate experience on using the laser. And then along the way, I mean, there's edu- there's more education that you want to deal with that you want to if you want to go into education a bit is that our education process doesn't just stop with a weekend course. We have mentorship programs that are available. We're also we have mastership training in the world for the general practitioner, and we have advanced master training in periodontics, which you're involved with, Dr. John, and we have endodontics and pediatric dentistry as well. So that every area, if you want to learn more, there's more places for you to go to learn that and to learn all that information. Yeah, I believe that uh, that one of the group best resources uh, is not only the website for Biolase, but the uh, I think it's education.biolase.com, and it has just tons of information. They have, there's, like you said, between uh, you know live seminars, classroom uh, trainings, uh, information on virtual trainings. Uh, the amount of information education is just incredible, and, and I think you had said earlier, the reps out there actually are not just there to sell; they're there to support. And, um, and I know that for a fact, I've had numerous people that would maybe, uh, I talked to and they say, oh yeah, we couldn't figure this out. We called a rep and they were on it right away. So that thank goodness for a bylaws for making sure that the reps are not just salespeople, but also there for support. Is there anything else you would like to uh, share with our listeners today uh, before we, uh, we kind of finalize our podcast? I'd just like to say to your listeners, you know, is that look at the way dentistry is being done today. Uh, we are, we're kind of in a pivot point, I think, in, in dentistry. Uh, we are diagnosing in an earlier stage. We have more digital technology available today than we ever did. And I mean, I mean, just look at where we're at now compared to 10 years ago. I mean, we're scanning nobody very you know we're, we're getting away from all the rubber base and polyvinyl slugs we're just getting away from that very few people place an amalgam anymore right we have periodont i mean in 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 your world of perio we have techniques now to grow bone back into a pocket right we are treating and teeth endodontically better we're, we're removing just about 50 percent more bacteria from the canal compared to traditional using water laser laser technology. So laser technology really goes hand in hand to the digital world, right? And if we think about incorporating the digital world into the general practice, and just starting with that, is that the general practice, it deals with soft tissue, okay? If you can't, if you, if you, if you don't have control of your soft tissue, you can't scan and you can't bond, period, right? So let's keep it simple. If you don't have control of the infection and the bacteria, you can't be successful in endodontic and you can't be successful in periodontic. And so long are the days of, I mean, putting antibiotics in pockets and people pe- keeping people in antibiotics. We have tools that get us around that now. And I think it's just time to maybe take that pivot point to your practice, look at what's going on and saying, I got to do things differently because I got to keep up because, and there's no better time to do it because if you wait, what are you waiting for? You're just you're just not treating your patients properly while you're waiting. And I think that that's the key is that there's no need to wait anymore. Technology is where it's at. It's always going to improve. There's never the right time. When's it, when's it going to be perfect? Well, if it was perfect with the first iPhone, we wouldn't have an iPhone 15, would we? So <laughs> they, right? So they can keep on getting better. It keeps on getting better and better. And I guess it's just a matter of uh, what part of the, what part of the ship you want to be on. You want to be in the early the early sail, or you're going to wait until it till it crashes. I guess at some point along the way. So that's I would say to your to the listeners, relook at things, taking advantage of it. And the laser technology is a good basis for technology. As we said, it re- keeps bacteria levels low, soft tissue under control, removes infection. As I said, and it also reduces inflammation. So. All in that is going to be a big help in treating our patients. Wow, that was great. Thanks, Dr. Breck, very much for, for being here, for uh, for talking to everybody. I've learned a lot. I really, really, really appreciate your time. So thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a great day.
And uh, thank you, uh, everyone, for uh, for joining us for this Advancing Dentistry podcast. Uh, we're always uh, going to have more exciting and future uh, podcasts uh, coming up. Uh, so be prepared and keep listening. Thank you again. Until then, cheers, everyone. dentistry podcast opinions expressed are those of individual doctors and do not necessarily represent biolace please refer to your individual state governing bodies for laws pertaining to laser usage to learn more about water lace all tissue and epic diode laser technology visit biolace.com forward slash podcast